Welcome to the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast 2023. If you like what you hear today, make sure to follow us at Boom or Bust NRL on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Welcome back to the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast with our preseason preview number six for 2023, discussing the Broncos and Raiders. I'm your host, Stuart Lord, and tonight I'm joined by Mitch Brown, our expert physio, and back in business. How are you going, Mitch? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you? Good. Sorry you had to bail on us the other day. Mate, we got work crises. Eh? I had uh, two staff members who, anyway, struggling to do the hours they're doing, so trying to trying to resolve that after we lost the staff member in January. Wednesday wasn't good. Uh, and I still haven't resolved it, so I'm hoping I was actually in the process of emailing someone to see if they could do it. So, anyway. Uh, would you like to come and touch people at my business, huh? That's it. Oh, no, it's just classes. <laughs> it's just classes. They have to just stand there and watch people do Pilates. It's it's easy done. Uh, fair enough. Good good, good to know. And look, join us. We also have returning Nick Lord, who is our stats guru and fantasy, I oh, know, tender, because you did all right last year. Hey, go on, Nick. Hey, I'm, an, I'm still a nugget. What to do, baby? Hey, nah, good to have you back as well. So, look, all three of us are back in the saddle tonight. It's really good to hear, guys. Good to have the Dream Team United. That's Let's get it, boys. Awesome. All right, guys. So, for everyone at home, we've got our NRL overall league up. Uh, this week, we should also have our head to head leagues up. I'll have a promo out for that. So, uh, Nick and Mitch, get prepared to renew your leagues. We will be putting out new ones, especially for Nick's Newbies Fantasy League. We'll be asking that, you know, if you guys killed it last year, you probably would need to move on to one of the other leagues. Can, uh, I, can but- I make a request just real quick that yeah. I be the newbie league? Because I didn't make the finals in my league last year. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'd rather you stay in the professional league because imagine if you don't make the finals in the newbie league. Then oh, then you're out of credibility, bro. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Mate, yep, fair okay, play. let's have some people come play hard. So, we've got Mitch's Serious League. We've got Nick's Newbie <laughs> League. And we have Stuart's Chaos Mode where, you know, we play all the buyers and, you know, go all the way to round 27. So, it'll be lots of fun. And look, if we have more people who want to join than we have leagues, I'm sure we can work something out. I might just put a couple together and invite people in. Apart from that, guys, trials. I know I've sort of only watched up to around yesterday. Nick, I heard you caught a bit of the Saints game. Yeah, mate, caught a bit. It was a bit disappointing, but um, I know it's a Dragons fan, but it is what it is, right? That's it. I was thinking here's your chance to start the year, you know, on the top of something, but you know, miss, hey, miss same the- old, same old. <laughs> it's a worry when they don't start out well because that's typically all they can do. True, though I must say, to be fair, I think they were facing a pretty much a top top St Helens side there, so you know the Dragons were trying to give a few guys hit outs. So next week, I'd be worried if they were, weren't clicking it together next week. But look, guys, a couple of trial highlights. I was watching the Warriors game, and guys, Luke Metcalf, he's a gun. Absolute gun. So scored a try, plenty of points, kick on a dime. SJ better watch out. Would you guys be interested in Metcalf if he snagged that spot at six? Yep, absolutely. Given that SJ has a terrible run with injuries and is on the back nine of his career, I'd be very interested. Hmm. Yeah, I got a feeling that he might be a good cash down opportunity later on in the year where if the Warriors aren't going to make the eight and they start putting some guys out to pasture, they might give Metcalf a bit of a run, kind of like they give Volkman a run last year. Yep. Or if they pick up a couple of injuries, as I alluded to, I could see that happening. For sure. Uh, and also T- uh, Tim Murray-Martin, he actually looked pretty good too. He had a few good outside balls over the tops to get Marcelo Montoya into space on the left. So he actually looked like a pretty decent half, which is good. 
other things, guys, I know we talked about Zach Lomax. Nick, did you get to see Zachy, how he was playing on that side over there? Yeah, he, he swapped sides. So uh, Sully was playing right edge and Lomax was playing left edge, which was pretty interesting. We'll wait and see uh, the charity shield to see which side he plays, but it just makes a bit more sense for him to play because I think he's a right arm ball carrier. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Nick, is that the side they switched him to last year so that he was getting ball from Ben Hunt? Because I know he was struggling with getting ball from Amon and that's some people were saying that's why Lomax kept throwing those flick balls because he was struggling to have the sort of space he needed. Was there something like that going on? Because I'm sure at some point they switched him towards the end of last year to put him with me. I'm not 100% sure. It looks like the final round they put him on the left edge, but the rest of the that's year it. he was on the right edge. So Yeah, that's um, it. It was the last so- round. So, it's one game against the Broncos, so you can't really take too much for that, can you? Yeah, it, it, I think it says I think it's got something to do with the ball distribution and having one of your highest paid players next to one of your highest paid players. So, yeah, whether that makes a difference or not, who knows? Might help Lomax the scoring out. Well, that edge defensively last year, the right edge for the Dragons was such a mess. Like it was so bad with um, Amone and we had uh, Amone, Lomax, and Ravalar. It was just like, oh my god! It was just a try fest. Like you could just see it, like twenty, like two or three plays before you're like, a try is coming, a try is coming. It was just really diabolical. So they had to change it up, didn't they? Yeah, I don't know if Sully fixes it up out there, and Buddy Sullivan certainly not a big body. So, oof. well, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Though uh, Jackie Bird will be likely be playing uh, first pick out there, uh, five eight. So the only downside is that uh, Zach Lomax last night on that edge. 11 fantasy points, two runs. There could be a lot of factors involved no in that, though. One of them might be that they're, they're trying to work on other stuff. Like, if you're happy with your left edge, you might not send as much ball out there, potentially. That's true. Just just to be devil's advocate. Yeah, and look, they were running a lot of plays down him. He had Conrad Hurrell running at him all night. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be having a slow night, too. First game back, and you got Conrad Hurrell running at you. Yeah, it's just a garbage truck with legs. Yep. Okay. Other oh, just just quickly, just quickly on Zach Lomax, he um he's got a new girlfriend. It looks like so maybe that maybe we'll have a better year this year. <laughs> because <laughs> well, he went, past- <laughs> mate. Don't don't you start up with your your things? Because last year was supposed to have a year good year because he didn't have a girlfriend. Yeah, so I predict- no, 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 37 and a half. There you go. He had a good year. Boom. Okay. Fair enough. But he's going to have a better year this year because he's back on back on the horse. <laughs> oh, that, that's a bit rough on her. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> no, you said that, not me. Oh, you called her horse. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> look, other thing is I was watching the uh, Seagulls game. That Look, the young Seagulls, they actually look pretty good. Bit of green shoots out there. Which which was good. So very tight, uh, very tight game versus the Rabbitohs. A lot of young guys playing up there. So good news is is that if there are some injuries either at the Seagulls or the Rabbitohs, there is some NRL quality waiting out there. A lot of a uh, lot of good outside backs and a couple of couple of really good forwards. Yeah, Zach Fulton also looked good out there too. So yeah, some good things out there. The last thing that I wanted to say was Nick, you ended up watching the All Stars game, didn't you? No, not really, to be honest. I watched the highlights afterwards. Oh, fair um, enough. Because you got to hear about the, Popgood. What, what's doing with Popgood? Mate, he's just got a rugby league. Like, just flat out, that PPM's insane. And so he should. he's pretty much a must 
one of the few musts really this year heading into 2023. Talk talk me through through the, why he's a must mate from this game. What what did you see? Mate, he's just in everything. You know, his tackles were up there. He missed, I think, four tackles. But you really just want to see those sorts of players getting involved, and he wasn't short in involvement. So, and for, for the people, I was just giving Nick a hard time. But for for the people at home, Jermaine Hopgood played lock for for. I want to say it's close to the eighty minutes, right? Maybe a bit less, but but he played for a huge amount of time for seventy four fantasy points. So he scored more than Selwyn Cobo without any of the attacking attacking upside. So yeah, it's crazy. Four offloads, bunch of dummies. You know, a whole bunch of receipts, a good tackle efficiency. Yeah, a lot to like there, isn't there? 100%. And he was up against Tarpanay and Fisher-Harris in the middle. So it wasn't like, oh, how well would he go against other guys? He was playing against some top top middles. Yeah, uh, who who was, was in the middle? Royce Hunt, Fisher-Harris, and Tarpanay at lock. So, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty mean. He would have worked, had to work pretty bloody hard. So, yeah, so Jermaine Hopgood. Uh, Mitch, is he on your side round one? Not at the moment, but that's because I don't have any renditions of my team up yet. I've got to wait for all these preseason podcasts, and then I'll figure it out from there. Fair enough. Look, Hopgood's been in. This is this is how I do it. This is my process. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, look, mate, if you're listening on at home, or Mitch, if you're listening while creating the content, which isn't as good as... But anyway, moving on. Then <laughs> Hopgood should be in your side. And if he starts to lock, he'll pick up DPP. He's your best 14th man to have on your bench. So, yeah, guys, last couple of things. A couple of injuries. Oh, Nick was mentioning here that uh, Nico Hines is good at rugby league, which is uh, 75 points in the Indigenous game. So, uh, very good there. And last one, a little bit out for you, Mitch. Two injuries from today's. We don't really want to talk about too much about today's ones because I haven't seen them all yet. Some are still currently going on. But Xavier Savage, knee to the jaw. What are you thinking? Probably broken, particularly if it's Josh Reynolds' knee. You know, he's a pretty lean guy. And not much, that, that it, not much padding, mate. And I saw the picture and it looked pretty puffy and he looked in a good amount of pain. And I can tell you, these rugby league boys, I say it all the time, they are tough as nails. If they look in pain, that is not good. So, you know, that's straight up four to six. And, you know, if there's any displaced fractures in there, that, that could be surgery and that could extend that. So, you know, I would be very surprised if that wasn't broken based on the pictures I saw. So... With that in mind, Mitch, what, what's the what's the longest side? So imagine he's got to go in for surgery, you have some plates inserted. What what's the outside looking at? Ah, uh, you'd probably be at unless it was something ridiculously bad, which that would be obviously you'd be looking at six to eight weeks. Six to eight. Okay, so three weeks to the start of the season, so five weeks at the, at the maximum. At yeah, the maximum. Yeah, okay, three to five weeks of this regular season. Just remembering, like that, you know, all my. Obvious concerns about deconditioning wouldn't be in play like they would normally. So that's it. You can sit on the exercise bike, can't you? That's exactly right. Easy. Okay. And look, uh, another guy, I was really surprised. Justin Olin was playing today, starting out in the trials where almost no one else was. Wasn't sure what was going on there. But look, he was out there and he's, oh, he's come off like maybe second or third tackle of the game that he made. Broken wrist. Mitch. Again, look, it depends if it's going to need surgery or not, but I don't think it does looking at the pictures. It didn't look outrageously displaced, but sometimes the, the, they can have a little bit of displacement that requires pinning and plates. We're looking at between four and six weeks, and if, if plates are required and it's it's a bit more serious between six and eight, my gut instinct is four to six. This one will come with a bit of deconditioning, guys. You've got to remember Justin Mullum had to have the majority of last season off. He'd have just been hitting full fitness again. He's uh, going to decondition. No, that, that was Remus Smith. Olin played the full season. Did he? Yep. 
Okay. Well, even so, he's going to lose some upper body strength doing that. And as a result, probably need to wait those one to two weeks before we pick him up again. So, realistically, you wouldn't be touching all until mid-April. Fair enough. And look, that probably brings from our side someone like Yong Tomapia or Dean Yemma back into consideration for us. Though, because it's only it's three weeks until the preseason kicks, uh, sorry, until the regular season kicks off, it's probably not enough time for anyone to really make coin, you know, in three to five rounds. I guess that's it so far from the Thursday through to Saturday trial games. There are four games on today. We'll talk about those in our preseason podcast number seven. Give us something to talk about. You were right, Stu. I was thinking of George Jennings, not Justin Mullen. All good. I got the set, got the centers mixed up. No problems. Now, ha- have a look at this. We're about to shift over to the Broncos. So Broncos finished ninth last year, and they've had a few changes to the team. Uh, looking at the pickups, we've had Logan Bayless signed into the top 30. We've had Jock Madden joining from the West Tigers. Ethan uh, Kai Ward has signed up again from the Queensland Cup. Tyson Smoothie from the Melbourne Storm, and the big signing, of course, Reese Walsh from the New Zealand Warriors to 2025. And Nick, who have we got for the losses over here? Tyson Gamble's off to the Knights. Zach Hosking, he's off to the Panthers. Yeah. Jermaine Asako, Tessie New, and Branko Lee are off to the Dolphins. Uh, Tamari Martin's off to the Warriors. Jerome James, he's retired. Uh, he came out for the All-Stars, I think. Um, mm. Reese Kennedy headed over to England to Hull. Uh, David Mead retired as well. And Jake Turpin, he's uh, popped up at the Roosters. I think he played today even. He did. I was I've about 20 minutes into that game. That's why I didn't want to talk about it too much because, you know, if I haven't seen it, I don't – if none of us have seen it, I definitely don't want us cracking into how good or bad it was. But he was actually playing almost like an edge role today, at least for the first little part. It was a little bit weird. So it almost smells like he might be playing that 14 role for a little while. You know, no idea, mate. It was, it, I'm just saying I didn't see him playing dummy half as the backup there. I just, yeah, anyway, a little bit He was weird. named at six. He was named at six today. Ah, that would be wise out on the edge. Easy. This is why I'm only 20 minutes in <laughs> trying to watch on my phone. Guys, biggest gain uh, for the Broncos. Nick? It's got to be Walshy. Yeah, it's not hard, is it? Starting number no, one by simple. presumption there. Yep. Easy. I know a few people have got on him. We'll, we'll talk about him a bit later on. And on the losses side, Mitch, who are you thinking is the big loss from the Broncos here? That's You'd a tricky pro- one. There's none of them. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I was just thinking that. It's tricky because I don't really – I think they can cope with all of the losses. I thought Tamari Martin looked good towards the end, but Reese Walsh is just such a good replacement. It's, it, it really isn't. So I'll go Tamari Martin, but I think largely they could afford to lose all those players. I mean, the depth of the Brisbane ranks as far as talent goes is, you know, second maybe only to the Penrith Panthers. So they'll be fine. For sure. So, guys, are we thinking that uh, – is the team better or worse this year, the Broncos? Nick? Better because I don't think they've lost anyone particularly. Excellent. Mitch? It's better if uh, Adam Reynolds can stay fit. Easy. Well, I guess the team additions and losses don't really change that. Apart from the fact they did lose Tyson Gamble. But they signed Jock oh, Madden, what, who's a pretty what, good half. What I'm basically saying is it doesn't matter unless they have a halfback. That's been shown over the last four or five years. If Brisbane don't have a halfback, I don't care who they've added in. doesn't Fair. matter. Fair enough. Yeah, look, the same for me. The answer is, is that, look, Jock Madden is a very good half replacement. So I reckon he, he could be a guy who can actually push for that seven jersey if Adam Reynolds was out for any significant time. And I think, obviously, Reese Walsh is their medium-term fullback. So 
we have that there. Although they have a number of people who are really after that spot. So we'll see how that all shakes out. All right, Mitch, a uh, lot of work for you today. A lot of injuries. Let's start off with Xavier Willison. What are we looking yep. at? Yep. So Xavier Willison, he's got a shoulder injury. There wasn't much out there on the web. So that generally means that there wasn't any major surgery. He's set to return one, round one. Uh, it's most likely some type of rotator cuff niggle. There doesn't seem to be a major history at, at this point. So no major concerns. If you're looking at Xavier Willison, he, he's you know certainly not a bad buy. Probably the only issue is you're not going to get to see him in the preseason. Kobe Hetherington, well, this one has a little bit more spice. He's redone his distal biceps rupture. Now, most people, as you were saying before we kicked off, Stu, knew about the December one. We actually reported this uh, mid to late last season when he did it uh, previously, and I sort of flagged it as a potential career-ending injury just because of the nature of it and the the impact it can have on tackling. He's done it at the gym, uh, the re-rupture, and and my biggest concern is he's done it doing a chin-up at the gym. I mean, there's a big difference between the forces put through uh, the bicep on a chin-up, obviously it is loaded up, versus, say, tackling uh, David Fafita. So, I wouldn't expect to see Kobe till at least the end of April. It's usually four to six-month recovery for a biceps repair. But I wouldn't touch him for 2023 because you've got to remember, guys, he hasn't really done any proper, consistent upper body strengthening since August of last year. That's a really long time to be out. If I was part of that Broncos medical staff, I'd really be looking to ease him into the season. And in fact, at 23 years old, maybe you let the season go. I know it completely rules him out and I, I wouldn't expect him to see him play big minutes, certainly not to the back end of this season. So that that's fairly big news for him. Thomas Flegler, he was ruled out of the preseason game yesterday. He copped a head knock at training, doesn't have a huge history of it, and I would suspect he'll play next week or possibly the week after. Payne Haas, this is one that a lot of people will have been watching quite closely. He uh, had an ankle injury during the offseason. It looks just to have been a lateral ligament sprain. He's set for a return in the preseason. I think there are bigger concerns for Payne Haas this year other than injuries with his personal life. And hopefully that can be resolved. His shoulder should be healed. So we remember last year you had those nagging AC joint injuries. That will be well and truly covered from. So from a fitness point of view, I'd expect Payne Haas to be pretty good to go for this season. Adam Reynolds, so he has a leg injury that was picked up during drills in the off-season and pre-season. He's set to return four pre-season games. I'd suggest it was most likely a cork. Reynolds is the king of niggles, guys. He's going to pick them up. If you're looking to grab him this year, just remember, you know, as Stu pointed out last year, he doesn't have outrageous amounts of time out, but he's regularly playing a little half-baked because he's got some type of injury like this. Uh, and I do think with his role in the team, and we'll talk about it later, but given he sort of picked up the cash we thought last year, you know, I, I wouldn't think he'd be a buy because he's just too high risk of getting exactly this type of injury. That said, for the season, he will be well and truly recovered from that cork. Tony Staggs, well, this was probably my favorite one to have a bit of a look at. I feel like we knew this before the end of the season, guys. I, I can't remember. Anyway, he did reveal that he had... Quite a significant injury to his shoulder, which occurred during the State of Origin game. And I do remember guys talking about it. And at the time, all we could really take from it was that it was a cork. But there was a distinct drop in his performance for the rest of the season. And I I do remember a couple of times he was sort of stood up or or run over by different players that were able to run at that shoulder. It really just shows you, um, and it's something to watch just for everyone who is listening out there. If a player does look down or look like they're not playing right, almost always they're carrying 
something and uh, the worse it is or the worse they look generally, the worse the injury is. So, we'll remember with Nathan Cleary a few seasons ago when he had that shoulder injury, his role changed distinctly and he wasn't quite the same player though he did win a premiership. So, the thing with Katoni is he has had surgery for that shoulder. He's had an entire off-season and pre-season to recover. He's set to return in the pre-season. The main thing with Katoni is I'm not particularly worried about his shoulder. He just has a terrible, terrible trot with injuries. I largely think because that's his play style, a bit like Jack Hetherington, who we spoke about in the first podcast. It's just how he goes. And with that in mind, he's going to get more and more injuries. That's just two years. And as a result, I could not justify him as a keeper center for the rest of the year. But if you get on and off the coaster at the right time, he is a stud and a serious player. And I hope he can have, you know, 27 games this year or 25 with the bias. Awesome. We've got second hardest overall schedule for the Broncos, guys. They've got Oof. the seventh hardest rounds, 1 to 12. Ninth hardest, ninth hardest, sorry, rounds 13 to 20 for the origin period. And the hardest run home from rounds 21 to 27. The buyers are round 16, 19 and 25. The easiest stretch I could identify was rounds 3 to 7. So round three versus the Dragons, round four versus the Dolphins, round five versus the Tigers, round six versus the Raiders, and round seven versus the Titans. They then turns to garbage for them at rounds eight to 12 where they got the Eels, the Rabbitohs, Seagulls, Storm, Panthers. So that, that could be a really tough trot for them heading into the origin break. They also have an awful run home, as I mentioned. So the numbers really back up. Just, just listen to these names, guys. Rounds 20. You've got the Bulldogs, then the Rabbitohs, then the Roosters, then the Cowboys, then the Eels. They then have a bye. They then, they then finish with the Raiders and the Storm. So if you're head-to-head and your head-to-head is round 27, they've got the Storm, which is not a good matchup at all. I don't round the, 26. they got the Storm. I think I can't remember the last time the Storm lost up at Suncorp. I think it's been a long time. Like Yeah, it's a stomping ground years. for them. It's virtually a home game for them. Wait, no. We watched them get smashed at Magic Crown. Oh, sorry, against the against Broncos. The against the Broncos. Yeah. When was last oh, time yeah, against yeah. the Broncos? Yeah, no, no. I agree. I agree. Um, teams twice, they got the Cowboys, Eels, Panthers, Rabbitohs, Raiders, Storm, Titans, and Dolphins. So that's pretty good. Overall, I'm looking at Bronco Cashies. Uh, we could make some coins. They play, play the first 15 games without any buyers, assuming mm-hmm. they're not origin. The only other team with no buyers to round 16 is the Rabbitohs. So, two of their buyers are in chaos weeks, which means you can't really rely on those for those weeks, which is round 16 and 19. And the guns won't necessarily be available at the back end of the season with injuries, buyers, and origin, though they may be healthy with some rest. Funnily enough, Magic Round versus the Seagulls at Suncorp is Manly's home game. So, giddy up for the Broncos. They get an extra home game. <laughs> That's good for them. They'll need that. I think I think part of their thing is they're trying to get in as many games for the Broncos early in the season. Because I believe that the Women's uh, Soccer World Cup is coming through sort of the middle of the season. So Suncorp will be booked out for two to three months. Mm. Easy. Now, look, that's really good to know that they've got a bit of a tough run. That certainly puts a bit of interest on some of those origin guys, whether we want to keep them towards the end of the season or not, or whether, whether we sell around origin time and shift over. But look... Let's start at the predicted 17. So we have Reese Walsh, who is currently playing as we speak at fullback. I've got here Corey Oates and Selwyn Cobo on the wing. Despite Selwyn Cobo's bagging of the coach, he'll still be on the wing. Herbie Farmworth and our fit Katoni Staggs at centre. We have Adam Reynolds and Ezra Mam in the halves. Payne Haas and Tom Flegler props. 
I've got Billy Walters at the nine, though that's very shaky at the moment. Could be Corey Pay on the edges. Jordan Rickey and Kurt Capel. Yeah, interesting pair, those two. And Pat Carrigan. Look, now bench is a bit iffy, guys. So look, we'll either have, I reckon, probably one of Billy Walters or Corey Pay at 14. After that, with some of these injuries, like to Kobe Hetherington, it starts to get real iffy here. So look, we could have probably Corey Jensen, maybe Xavier Willison, and then a guy like uh, Pierre Coura or Keenan Palacia, possibly in that last bench spot. But again, I reckon they will actually be shaking out in the preseason who fills out at least two, maybe three of those bench spots. So keep an eye out. So guys, having a look at that, there's someone who we really do want to talk about. How about we talk about Katoni Staggs, Nick? Oh, mate, 529K is a center, break even at 37. And that's what he averaged in 2022, 4.3% ownership. So in games where he's played over 70 minutes because he's had some injuries over the last few years for different reasons. So he averaged 42.7 in 12 games in 2020. He averaged 47.7 in three games in 2021. He averaged 37 in 23 games last year. So he actually had an extremely durable year for him relative to prior years. The question is, what's the difference? Because we've got 42, 48, and 37. So there's a big variance there. So in 2020, his... uh, Base stats were awesome at nearly 30 base stats and 21 attacking stats. In 2021, his actual base went down a little bit. His running meters were down. So his attacking stats went from 21 to 30 when his, t- his tackle busts were up. But then last year, his base stats returned to 28 and his attacking went right down to a three-year low of 19. So um, and look at those negatives, Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah the negatives were up Almost last doubled. year. Almost um, uh, would, would that have something to do with the missed tackles post-shoulder injury? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and not only that, like that edge is just like errors r- riddled. It's just terrible. Um, so I, I was going to drop it later, but Cobo oh, right. is sixth in the league in error rate, yeah. right? And Jordan Ricky is 17th in the league. <laughs> so that right edge is just wow. like errors galore. So, so, so to put it in context, Jordan Ricky makes an error every th- every, pretty much every 14 times he touches the ball. Cobo, oh, let me just find it. It's like every 10 times he touches the ball, every 11 times he touches the ball. So, yeah, that, that right edge. I'm really looking at Reese Walsh having an impact on him in terms of getting that right edge to start to click better because obviously Adam Reynolds couldn't fix some of those issues on the right edge. So hopefully a um, more of a threat at fullback will help. So he averaged 39 before his labor and tear. He averaged 34 and a half afterwards. And in, in the the clear difference there is his attacking stats went down as missed tackles went slightly up. I don't think a move to the halves is on the cards and is locked into the centers, so I can't see any upside there. So really, I see him reverting back to his 2020 average around 43. So I'm seeing a higher base. I'm seeing a regression in his attacking stats and a regression in his negatives, guys. So um, I do have some interest there. He, he, he can goal kick, but he's probably third in the goal kicking uh, race now. So at, at the second, moment, just having a As we start. speak, he's ahead of Reese Walsh. He's kicking tonight. No, he's no, he's behind Adam Reynolds as well. He's behind Reynolds, but he's second, so behind Reynolds. Yep. Yep. Oh, so oh, so Stags is kicking or Walsh is Stag- kicking? Stags tonight. is kicking tonight. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay. Well, wait. So that that's interesting because if if Adam Reynolds goes down, which we all sort of brace for every single game, then Katoni could well be a go. So I do see about six to seven points of value with him. And in centre, guys, I know there's a lot of cheapy options, but no one particularly loves the um, high-range options. 
you know, they get really expensive when you start paying huge amounts of people like Campbell Graham and Joe Marnham and stuff like that round one. So, I, I yeah, it's kind of a chuck a star. Any disagreements to you? Look, he's 91k cheaper than Val Holmes, a very explosive player, and you can certainly see that there's some value in him. So if I was if I was looking for because center for me has been very ugly because if nothing else I don't the other big news out of the trial for me personally was I was I was having a good look at uh, Tommy Talau and Talau did not look good and he's basically everyone's emergency center player. So I, I think the quick way to put it with Stags is that represents the best value for the non goal kicking centers. He doesn't offer the upside as like a Lomax or Valentine Holmes because of the goal kicking, but. You know, when you compare him to the Jesse Ramians, Talakai, Sully's, Dave Gagai's, even and Campbell Graham, I reckon he can match them all. That's it. And he's 91 grand less than a guy like Val Holmes or Lomax. I would say that Staggs, I would not mind if he's in your team. Center is a very, it is an issue position I see this year. I know some people don't love Hamaso, right? A lot of people on Thompson, but he might only get two games. Talau did not look good. We really want to be watching that second trial game to see he might not even make that team and so suddenly you're playing what brent naden like we're, we're really talking about yeah. panic stations like round three you're having to sell a gun to try and fund yourself a center this is not a good situation it's, it's bleak it's so, bleak so, so look, just keep an eye on stags has, i think yes i reckon the stags could be back on the go because if nothing else last year farnworth went down if you remember so he, he was down and this was a new side as well because Cobo was brand new in the league i reckon there will be better like a better progression through the hands out to guys like Stags, especially because he's fully fit and he's not in any trouble this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did have a look at that. His off field stuff really settled down. Last year was a real settling down year for him. You know, he's only like 24, 23 or something. So he's not even that old still. But just to segue to Herbie Farnworth, 570K mm. is a center. So he's more expensive than Stags. He's, his break-even is 39, and his career average at centre is 37.5. So he scored nine tries in 12 games last year, which is a 75% try percentage versus you know a 40% oh. try percentage previously. So when they really, were hot, he, just, he, he was only playing when they were hot. Yeah, yeah, they were going well, going well towards the top of the table. So, and then he got busted. So I just think he's too expensive for his production based upon his 12 games last year. So I've got him as a bust. I think that's pretty clear. Yep. Someone Cobo guys cracked out a what did he do? He gave up a try at the All Stars and then he dropped a ball and then he scored a hat trick in like fifteen minutes or something. That's Cobo. I jumped on last. It is, it is. Yeah, that full field try score was just insane. So he's six twenty three K. He's got the DPP, which is handy, so he's a center wing pullback. Which is Break by the way, a- can I be hilarious here? Just interrupt. He didn't play one game at center last year. So all these players lost DPP. But they must have just forgotten about Cobo, like when they were doing this thing, because Cobo was not playing a game at centre and they stripped everyone else of these DPPs or they didn't give them to them if they didn't play enough games. But somehow he's retained it. It's insane. Anyway, moving on. No, I agree. I, I, I don't get it either. So I think if you have him round one, I think you need to rethink your life because you shouldn't be spending that money on a winger in your round one team. He averages 37.4 on the wing and scores you know 80% tries. But he scores two errors. He's sixth in the league in error rate, as I mentioned, with uh, error every 11 times he touches the ball. I just he's got huge bust potential for the amount of money you're paying for round one. So I've got him as a huge bust. Would um, you? How about draft? Where would you have him there? Oh, definitely a good draft guy because you can afford to take risks. But I just think 
in classic, I haven't really considered draft too much yet, mate, but in terms of just classic, I just think the value can be spent much better for someone else who can give an average about the same. For sure. Um, and, like, and they messed with a cheap fullback. And they messed with his price. He should be around Her- Herbie Farmworth. He should be around that because he's got an average of 39. So he should be around 570, 565. And instead, they moved him up to 623 for no particular reason. So, yeah, that certainly is frustrating when they mess around yeah, with a guy's uh, average. Yeah, yeah. He only reads 39. His break even's 43. So that's what she's talking about. So. Yeah, I just I'd stick clear of Cobo, fortunately. Anyone you want to? Oh, why don't you why don't you round out the back line with Reese Walsh? Do you? for sure. Look, Reese Walsh is currently playing, so he could be making a fool of me as I speak. He's seventeen point five percent ownership, so we've got to talk about Reese Walsh. So let's talk about good. So the good is that Reese Walsh is going to a better squad. So last year he had a strike of one try every ten games and a ton of defensive merits, along with half a try assist a game, which is an amazing. And a slew of other issues, which saw his attack slip from 25 points in 2021 to 19 points in 2022. So he's going to a better side. You should see an uptick in attacking stats because the side is better, the go forward is better. And we should also see an uptick in, I guess, some of that uh, base, like not a huge change in his base meters. So both in kick returns, yeah, running meters and kick returns, and in actual kick meters themselves. Because uh, Ezra Mam came out and did mention that Walsh was kicking. Walsh will lose kicking duties, and so you'll see him drop 4.5 points there. To make up the difference, his base stats do need to improve by around 5 points to make up the difference. So I guess what we really want to be looking for is if you want Reese Walsh in your team, you need to be checking him out both this week and next week as far as his defense goes, because he had a lot of defensive demerits this year. So often bouncing off on the goal line. Although I must say at the Warriors, there was a lot of poor defense. So he was like, you know, trying to stop big rampaging blokes from 10 meters out with high tackles and just bouncing away, right? It's like those crash test dummies you see in the cars, right? You know, the pedestrians getting hit. At the moment, I see Walsh sort of pushing into the low, maybe into the mid 40s. There's close to 10 points there, but not quite. My thing is, is that he really needs to to make the cash that we want him to make here. He really has got to move into the high 40s. And I'm not sure that a fullback of his size can necessarily do that week to week. Mitch, if you were looking at him, would you want Reese Walsh in the squad? He's certainly not my first pick at this point, but I can see the allure from people who have picked him up. You know, he he's the sort of player who can crack out big scores and he is on a much better side. Like this Broncos side is complete if they can stay healthy. I don't hate the risk. If I can squeeze him in, I will. But he's certainly not a priority pick for me right now. He, he'd be in that Chuck star sort of realm, more from a, a team building standpoint. But I understand why it's 17.5% ownership because he, he really could explode and be in that top tier of uh, fullbacks. He looked fantastic at a Warriors squad that really wasn't able to get around him. For sure. Uh, and, you know, we'll probably make some... And behind of- a big pack too. Yeah, look, I-, I reckon we'll probably do some sort of just quick value listing here. Reese Walsh, he's not he's not too far down the list of guys who, who do look like they have a bit of value behind them. Nick, uh, question for you as well. Like, uh, have you got Reese Walsh in your side? No way. No. Excellent. And now, second question. He's basically the same point price as Kalen Ponga. So if you were looking at either, which one would you get? Because you probably only take a punt on one or the other. Kalen Ponga's 532k. Obviously got the calf injury. We'll be back in time. What are we thinking? I think I'd go... I just don't think you could touch Kalen Ponga. 
I, I just think it's too much of an injury, injury magnet, right, Mitch? Oh, man. I'd be upset with you if you touched Callum Ponga. So, so that'd be as egregious as taking Sean Johnson. Like, that's just not smart. Uh, Mark, NRL fan sandwiches, if you're listening. Yeah, SJ. And I, I, I tried. I tried. He He's, wouldn't take the sandwich bet anyway. All good. So, my, my question <laughs> for you guys is okay, so you guys would both have Walsh above Ponga as far as yes. your starting wing fullback. Absolutely. No brainer. Better don't team. touch either. Don't touch either. It's a bad question. Don't touch either. Well, no, because well, for people like myself, right, I had Xavier Savage as my third wing fullback, right? So I had Not Tamari anymore. Martin. I had Lockie Miller and I had Xavier Savage. Now, Xavier Savage just copped the knee to the face and I had Hayes Perham and Tyrell Sloan on the bench. So there if go, I was go, looking for- or Klockstad. You, you take him over Walshy? Yeah, for 150K less, absolutely. Fair enough. I tell you what, Reese Walsh is a real boom or bust player, isn't he? Like, okay, let me put it to you this way: I don't think he's going to drop value at Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're not going to lose your shirt. Would that be a spicy pick then? Yeah, he's spicy. Yeah, I could get on board with spicy. Would you guys? Would you guys have him as a spicy? Because if you're not going to lose your shirt, he's not a bust, right? Yes, but he's not a boom. No. So, okay. So, so let's put it on the spicy one. It's you got to know the risk that you're taking there. Yeah, which is that he's yeah. lost that goal kicking. He's got high demerits. We have to make sure in these trials that he's lost those demerits, at least some of them, and he's picked up on some of those base stats. He's making a couple more tackles, a few more run meters, and some attacking stats to make up that other five points that we need to see from him for him to yeah. make some money. I can't see the demerits going away, but I'm anticipating a few more tries. He'll have a few more meat pies. And- oh. you're, you're expecting more attacking stats out of his watch, well, right? He, yep. he only had, he only I, had one, one try per 10 games last year, Nick. It went through the floor last yeah. year. Okay. But let me just quickly find the Troll Mitchell stuff we looked at last week. So in terms of attacking stats, okay. Yeah, there's some growth. Okay. I can I can get on board with that. Yeah. I, um, Walsh so, so had, had a to down you, year for as far as his attacking stats went. As far as top two uh, fullbacks uh, hit about 30 in attacking stats. So he could, if you think he can get to there or most of the way to there, because he's at 20 attacking stats at the moment. If you, if you think he gets to 25, then yeah, it could represent some value. Yeah. So he's going to lose 4.4 in goal kicking. He hopefully will keep around the four points worth of uh, field kicking that he's got there. And he's averaging last year 19 attacking stats with almost 10 points negative. If just say can drop to five points negatives, 25 points of attack, I reckon there'll be some cash in him. Is Ezra Mam a left foot kicker yet? I think he's a right sure foot kicker. isn't he? But uh, oh, okay. Ezra Mam came out in an article and said that Walshy was doing a lot of the left hand, hand field kicking. Yeah, I, I I definitely have him locked in for some kicking still. Yeah, yeah. All cool. Right. So, okay. and Okay, so let's put uh, Walsh as a spicy then because this was a good chat to have. Yeah. And we really want to watch both tonight's, especially if you want him in your side, tonight's trial and especially next week's trial when he should be at least playing, what, 20 minutes with Adam Reynolds if he's going to yeah. play it all, yeah. like with, with the full side together. You want to see how that clicks together, right? If you're looking for some upside in that position, like he's not a bad pick compared to other guys who have a really bad injury history. Um, I suppose I suppose the real two comparisons here are Nick Meaney, who doesn't have the same job security, and mm-hmm. Reese Walsh. So you'd lean to Reese Walsh just based on the job security there. So, yeah, he does That's- represent value. That's it. And and below that, there's guys like Lockie Miller. But if you're playing Hayes Perham as your starting fullback, you know, I'd be a little bit worried too because we have no data on him. 
So, yeah, I, I feel like he's a bit of a risk to have in your starting 13. Well, he wasn't great in All-Stars, right? Yeah, that's it. I'm going to have to watch that. I really want to watch him this week because the Bulldogs team, like I, I've just hearing the chat at the moment, looks pretty good. Uh, guys, let's now that we've finished the back line, Nick, let's have a look at your last player, mate, Adam Reynolds. You know, you and Mitch probably want to have a chat through him. Last year, I almost got on. Luckily, I didn't. He did end up averaging, though, almost 50. What are we thinking about Reynolds? Mate, he's 707K, break-even of 49, and he averaged nearly 50 in 2022. So 1.7% ownership, so huge pod. So he averaged 49.1 over the last three game, three years in 54 games, which he played more than 70 minutes, which gives us a really good idea who Adam Reynolds is statistically. So he came out of the blocks really well. As Stu said, he got very excited. Uh, oh, he averaged fifty-eight. In the, he averaged fifty-eight in the first nine games of the season, before a really awful run of luck with injuries. So sustained that uh, groin strain round ten. Oh yeah. Um, from memory, he's had recurring groin issues. Correct, Mitch. Correct. That gives me the eebie-jeebies. And then he had the grade one hamstring in training a couple of weeks after that. And then he then had the broken ribs in round 14 in June. So can understand why statistically it really turned to garbage for him. Um, after this, he averaged 42.6 from rounds 14 to 25. So he still played most of the games. Only missed, I think, a week or so here and there. But yeah, he just feels too far as I'll take any risk on him holding his value, let alone outperforming his price tag as he's priced pretty well. So I've just got him as a bust just based on his lofty price tag, um, not reflecting the the injury risk there. Yeah, it's it's a bit of an interesting one because he, he really fell away. I'm having a look at his score sheet here. He had a couple of bad rounds for, yeah, where he was injured. Like he got a 28 versus the Dragons in round 17. And you know how the Broncos really fell away the back half of last year. They sort of came out of the blocks and then around Magic Round it kind of went sideways. That was where Adam yep. Reynolds got injured and then they had that run into Origin. He didn't play again until round 14. So the week after Origin 1, he still had some decent scores. But yeah, it was definitely down from the 50, 38, 28, 53. A big 83 against the Eels. But then a week later, he was injured again. He only played 69 minutes versus the Tigers. And yeah, they got absolutely towed up <laughs> for the remainder of the season. And he went off early. Was that an HIA against the Eels? He only played 13 minutes for four points? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So... Look, we are getting him in a bit of discount because of that down run. Obviously, Mitch, no, no, you're not, you're not, you're not getting him a discount because in the last three years, in games over seventy minutes, he averages forty nine point one. You are not getting him at a discount. I'm just saying that if it looks like he, he can score better at the Broncos, no, because that he's drinking looks more like an anomaly milkshake. to me. You reckon it's no, an anomaly? That, that looks like an anomaly to me. Okay, so because okay. yeah. It just, I just don't think it's there, and I think the injury is going to keep popping up. I think if you're spruiking a high 50s average for Adam Reynolds, like it could well prove me wrong, but I just that that risk is just too too high. Now, I think. Oh, look, I think that he can. He's certainly a guy who in this Broncos team, because remember he's not he's playing with a guy like Ezra Mam is not Cody Walker. He will have less ball in his hands. Adam Reynolds will play a bit more of a running game. But again, Mitch from that side, that also puts us a little bit more worried for injuries, doesn't it? I just don't like him for injuries. I think Nick's hit the nail on the head. While I do think, you know, he, he had that really, really good run where I think his value crept up towards the 800K mark. It's a bit like a Tony Staggs. If you're lucky and you get on and you get off at the right time, maybe there's a 100K value. But if you're getting Adam Reynolds, you're really getting him for the season, right? And 
I just couldn't justify it. I think when it's all said and done, he'll be the same value. Excellent. Potentially, potentially, because of the schedule, you could pick him up the first half of the season. If you're willing to take the same risk and assuming his first few games go the exact same as last year and these niggles and issues aren't going to break his body down and wear down him as the year goes, then you can go with that strategy. I think that's a decent strategy. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking 700K, you kick off the season with him and then you just eject when you need to across to someone else who's got a slightly harder start to the season. But But then, Stu, you're telling people, because you're not going to take Burton and Reynolds, are you? So you're telling people to take Reynolds over Burton, potentially. Well, I I think this would be more the go if you were playing, if if you were going the Cam Murray route and not picking up Nathan Cleary. Yeah, you take take him and Burton. Because you have two goal-kicking halves uh, with pretty good starts to the season. And then I suppose just... the important question is, do you believe in the Broncos? Because if you believe in the Broncos, then then Reynolds would be really good because when the Broncos were good, Reynolds scored very, very, very well. And and the same way around. When Adam Reynolds was doing well, the Broncos did well because for the first time in, what, four or five years, they weren't their forwards weren't having to do bloody beat tests all game and just turn around and do laps as the other side just turn them around. For once, Beep. Adam. Well, that's it. That, that's they were constantly and run Beep. back ten, and then and then they used to kick the ball into the corner, and these guys would have to work it out and tackle their guts out, and they'd just be dead on their feet. Adam Reynolds was doing that to other teams last year, pinning them in the corner. So I think if he's playing, uh, I think the Broncos will do very well this year. Like I'm thinking, at least top eight this year, and they could push for top four. They got the squad for it. Like how many they rep do. players? They how many rep players do you have to have to not make the top eight? I'll be honest with you. I'm looking at this back line. Like Reese Walsh, you know, is you know can be a rep player. Farmworth International Stags rep, Cobo rep, Oates rep. You know, Adam Reynolds ma'am not, but the forward pack two is very good. Just yeah, it's hard to see why not. I I think he's full of risk. I agree with Nick. I think he's a bust. Easy. Okay, look, we'll, we'll leave him there as a bust. Why, why, why don't we put him as spicy? I think he's spicy. But no, 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 no. If you guys don't believe in him, no, it's it's fine. I'm happy to bust him. I just wanted to have that discussion through because oh. again, Adam Reynolds is worth it. No, I, I don't know if I feel good about busting spicy. him. I don't feel good about busting him, Stu. I don't feel good about busting. Okay, if the Broncos crack it out for half a season, I think he's spicy. Excellent. I cannot okay. tell people not to bust. I can't. I can't. I want to, but I have a very bad feeling about doing that. I do. Look, I think Brisbane's going to be good. I've got worse feelings about other players. Does that make sense? Yeah, yes. I agree. And if nothing like, else, like he's got his base stats are very good. 16 points worth of kicking, like this is last year. Yeah. 6.1 uh, points in goals and 16 points in kicking. So he already starts on 22 before the game starts. Right? Like before you add in any attacking or base stats. That's all I'm thinking here. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Make me over. Easy. Okay. Uh, next up, we're going to have a bit of a run through the forward pack here. Uh, so, Nick, if, if you want to shuffle your guys into who's who's what where. Uh, the next guy I've got here, Paddy Carrigan. He's a guy at 17.8% ownership, which for me, I don't know how I feel about that. Anyway, look, he was great in 2022 in one of the best ACL return seasons we've seen. Mitch, you would agree with that? Yeah, he looked extremely good. That's it. Now, uh, it, shows you, it shows you that role matters, right? 
Roll matters because he's a mid. He's not. He's not a. He's not a man built for speed, right? That's just something to remember for the listeners. If when we're talking about ACLs, if you're a center, or a winger, or a fullback, or a half, it really matters no matter what. Mids can get away with it. Do, do, do you reckon there's also a bit of discipline behind as well? Because uh, Paddy's actually studying to become a physio, Mitch. So I certainly think that helps. I mean, without having huge involvement in any given NRL team, I would wager there's varying degrees of discipline. Uh, with rehab and then knowledge. So certainly I think that would have some impact on it. But I think we saw a game with Torhu Harris. He wasn't that far off his previous form and he's another middle. So I think it's probably a combination of a few things, Stu, but certainly his discipline uh, probably came into it to a degree. Excellent. Well, look, yeah, he, he started off well, pick, picked up an MCL sprain against the Warriors, but he kicked on. But he played well on his return as well. But his scores did drop right off after a huge Origin campaign, where I reckon he was probably the best, uh, certainly the best forward by the end, and he, he was possibly the player of the series in those uh, those three games. So, you know, unless of unless of course they want to give it to the coach. So, moving on. Uh, look, the downside that I've got about Paddy Carrigan because I, I can see a lot of people own him. Look, he's got a he's got a great floor on him. But his scores did not reach great heights. So his top score last year was 69 against the Cowboys. But uh, in that was in round 15. But in round 16, uh, he got 29 points in 44 minutes uh, against those same Cowboys. And that would have been straight after Origin 2. And with Paddy Carrigan, his minutes are very week to week. So Kevy seems to play Paddy Carrigan by eye. So Carrigan, I don't see him as a, as a trap. But I do see him as pretty accurately priced. Uh, uh, you can see him pretty accurately priced as well. Uh, Mitch is also running in the background. Can we hear fireworks? No, unfortunately, Mitch, we can't. So we're going- That's good. No, I was just checking. I just didn't want to have people thinking what the hell's going on because it sounds like, you know, mugger tissue over here. No, it's all good, mate. The headphones that we got you, they look to be pretty good. Excellent. Just checking in. Excellent. So look, uh, yeah, Paddy's minutes were a bit all over the place. So the some games he played played big minutes, other games smaller. The other thing that we saw last year, which is, makes it a little bit harder to judge, is he did uh, play less minutes after he ended. Uh, he ended with a suspension uh, against Jackson Hastings for that hip drop tackle, and he came back to play the eight against the Dragons around twenty five, but he did miss out a few rounds for that one. So. I'm personally comparing Carrigan to Ruben Cotter as someone who plays a similar role at the Cowboys. So both players average around 53 to 54 in games over 50 minutes played. Uh, The big difference between their scores last year was that Carrigan uh, had an injury-affected score. That was where he got injured versus the Warriors. And the round 16 origin-affected game. So the downside of Carrigan is that he's a base stat spot. He just doesn't have the peak of a guy like a Tarpanay or Haas or Tino. So a safe place like Cotter to park cash, but not next level. So I don't have him as a boom. He's not even really bust. He's kind of, we almost need a fifth category, but we have too many categories as it is, where it's kind of like, uh, is priced where he's at level. So I don't know. I, I Guys. That means chuck a star, mate. He probably is chuck a star. Pick him up at a bit of a dip. Guys, are you interested in having Paddy Carrigan in your starting team, Mitch? No, not at this point. I think he's pretty well priced out. Nick? Mate, I was running Carrigan and Haas until they signed Marty to power because I just saw the injuries and issues. I thought, geez, he's going to have to play long minutes to keep 
the quality in the side there. But yeah, uh, with the Tapao addition, I don't see the same sort of catalyst potentially that I was hoping for. So I, I'm not picking him up at this stage. Yeah, I, I just see the price there and I see uh, Cotto as slightly better value in that position for an extra yeah, 20. Carrigan's better than Cotter. Like, and, and Cotter's on a better team. Uh, he like, is, I don't but know. I, I think that Cotter, Cotter's one of those guys who he is a bit more efficient in how he runs things on with that motor. So he, he has that little bit less negatives in him. And he doesn't, Carrigan is a better player, but Cotter is a better fantasy option. You know, it's kind of like the difference between uh, Cam McInnes and Dale Finucane, right? Uh, McInnes is a great fantasy. He, you'd say Finucane might have more of an impact on some games, but McInnes, he's just great for fantasy. Yeah, that, that's how I see it in that, that particular role. Anyway, uh, look, the other guy that I want to talk about because he's been in a lot of my builds, Payne Haas, 809k, 56 break-even, 8.2% ownership. So I don't know about you guys, I kind of reckon it's only off-field drama keeping Haas' ownership down. So, despite a year which played less minutes and requested a release from the club, he ended up the th- third highest averaging and seventh highest scoring middle forward in 2023. And that's with, uh, was it both shoulders with AC joint issues, Mitch, by the end of the season? It ended up that way, yeah. Yeah, so third highest average, seventh highest scoring overall middle with both shoulders and uh, issues and requesting a release and being booed by your own club supporters mid-season. That's good. That's a pretty impressive view from most people's standards, right? He can play. Yeah. Plus all three origins. So, yeah. Oh, no, so two origins. I think he missed one due to that injury with the AC joint. Uh, so, look, his scores in 22-2 were just slight reduction from 2021. So, it's slightly less tackles and tackle breaks, more missed tackles and offloads. Uh, but a lot of this downtime coincided with the Broncos' big slide down the charts late in the season. So everything else is almost the same down to meters run. So the good news is that he did start the season with a bank before the off-field contract drama and the origin took its toll. With the only big score post-origin being around 1983 with his only try of the season against Parramatta. To be fair, late in the season, his scores just reflected everyone at the Broncos giving away the season and turning over the ball. So, look, Mitch Haas should be physically 100% for the year to come. Is that correct? Yep. Well, with that in mind, uh, look, if the Broncos fire this year, as I think they will, and competitive, he could shift back towards the average or closer somewhere. Look, I've got here really close to 70. The answer is, is that it, it, even if it's closer to 60, there's still value there at that top end of the middles. Uh, and he because he was scoring 70 at the beginning of the 2022 season, and he's only 23. He's only going to get better. And I'm running out of reasons not to get him, apart from the off-field dramas and contracts, which, you know, he's playing tonight, so I'm going to be watching that game very carefully as well. And look, I know Marty Tapao could come into the mix, but how much did Ryan James impact the rotation of Haas and Carrigan in 2022? Basically not at all. So, look... Yeah, but don't, don't put them in the same category. Tapao's a better player than Ryan James at this stage. Oh, for sure. Tapao's busted. You reckon? Yep. Fair enough. Well, you're putting them in the same category, Mitch. Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. But uh, mm, look, maybe, maybe Carrigan's a better buy than I thought. Okay. Well, look, and, and I've got Payne Haas here. He's just one of those guys where the, the squad relies on him so much. Like, Flegler is a bit of a wild card. 
as far as it goes. So I look, I want to start with Payne Haas as probably my vice captain uh, in my squad. Nick, has Payne Haas made your starting squad? Yeah, I think he's a must buy. I, I think his upside's ridiculous. Like it could be, as you say, 70. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah not, I, I think he's a must. Yeah, and it's not like Tamalolo where we understand the reason for that decline, right? Like it's a role change and things like that. For Haas last year, it was injury. And I, I don't see much changing. Like, Kevy's not the sort of guy to change. I'm not sure he's the sort of guy to coach, if you believe so, on Cobo. So I don't see much change there. Do, do you, Mitch? No, not at all. I, I agree with you guys. I think I think he's a must-have, Payne Haas. Excellent. So, look, I'm going to put him in the boom category here um, because we see some cash in him. Excellent. Uh, did we work out where we are going to put Carrigan? He was going to be in Chuck a Star in there, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, Excellent. And Reese Walsh was in the spicy category. Excellent. The last guy that I really want to talk about here, uh, Corey Pay. Reason is he's under 300K. He's a hooker. And Corey Pay has a simple equation. If he starts and he gets 50 minutes, he's a surefire buy. If he gets 50 minutes one week and 30 minutes the next week split with Billy Walters, he's a huge avoid. His average over 50 minutes is 34.8. He's played a total of eight games since 2020 and none are starting a hooker over 50 minutes in the last two years. So for me, it's one of those ones, if we heard that he's won the position and he's going to be starting hooker and Walters is just playing 14, Corey Pay is certainly worth a look on your bench. Uh, if we don't hear anything like that, or if he's starting on the bench, Corey Pay is a big avoid. Uh, and so for now, he's me, he's chuck a star uh, until we know otherwise. Would you guys agree with that one? Yep. Excellent. Uh, last one. Uh, look, I've got Xavier Willison and uh, Brendan Piercura, both 250k, 70 break-even middles. Uh, Willison has the dual middle edge. So there's some dollars to be made from either if they get a start. Both are quality, being long-term prospects. Uh, T.C. Rabati has been stood down as one of those other guys who was competing for that bench spot. And as such... I think there is some more minutes in there, especially with Kobe Hetherington also being out. Uh, Xavier Willison is the guy that basically, from all the write-ups that I've seen, has the best prospects. So he's certainly one that I get on. Pierre Cura is a couple of years older, has a bit more few runs under the belt. Both of them, uh, you can see a clear 10 points worth of value there. So I guess with that emergency middle being worth something this year, would you, either of you guys be interested in picking up one of these two if we could see a clear path for them for 30, 35 minutes a game? Yeah, I certainly could. It just depends which one it is. I'm always looking for cash because I really do believe those first 10 to 15 rounds are all about getting that team value up. So if I, if I can find someone who's cheap as chips, which allows me to grab someone like Payne Haas, then I'm all over it. That's it. Nick? Um, probably not because uh, I'm not sure what their minutes are really going to be. So I think... Um, there might be some better value any elsewhere potentially. Fair enough. Look, having a look at this one, I didn't actually mention Marty Spann the write up. He's likely to grab one of those bench spot positions. I'm thinking at least for part of the season. So having a look here, if you got Corey Jensen, uh, Marty Tapau, you're talking about seventy five minutes taken up, seventy seventy five minutes taken up between them there. Payne Haas sixty, Flagler forty. Yep, okay. 
So look, there's probably value for one of these guys. I'm hoping it's Willison. I'll get on if he's on the bench. If it's Palacia, I think I'll avoid for Kenan Palacia. Uh, or uh, Brennan Precure. So guys, where have you got them finishing this year? I've uh, Nick, where do you think the Broncos are going to end up? Uh, 12th, mate. Excellent. Uh, Mitch? I had them 12th, but I've bumped them up. I've put them into 10th. Fair enough. I've got a bit of high thing. I actually had them 8th, but I'm bumping them up to 7th. So I reckon they've, they've got the thing. They could be a top four side. You're right, the risk is there with that depth issue at half. I think that uh, Jock Madden will do okay if he's got a cover. He's do better than the, some of the other stand-ins that they've had, but they will struggle a little bit. But if Adam Reynolds is fit all season, they could they could push for the four. Well, the, the tricky thing is, Stu, who's going to bump out of the top four if they can make the top four? Okay, well, Nick, who are your top four for this year? Roosters, Cowboys, Sharks, and Panthers. Excellent. Sharks? Mitch, who have you I got? S- I smell a sandwich. Panthers, rabbits, roosters, and hang on, Cowboys. Yeah. I actually could see the Broncos finishing in there instead of the Cowboys, to be honest. The Broncos, uh, if I look at this year, if any team was to go big, it'd be Brisbane. They're the most complete team uh, that we don't have in the top four. That's true. Now, look, I like the depth of the Cowboys. I think they got some good depth there, but I think that Adam Brisbane's Reynolds- very injury dependent. Like, if you got the wrong injuries to the wrong players, and look, I, I understand that most teams are like that, but if Reynolds goes down, uh, if Haas goes down, although although they tend to play well with Haas, or Carrigan goes down, they're, they're just not the same squad. So, I, I like I like Brisbane. Yeah, I just I, think I just think they don't know how to finish the season. I'm not sure Kev is the answer, which is why I kept them at, you know, outside the top I eight. Don't, I don't like their hooker situation. I don't like their bench. Yeah, oh, look, I, I think their bench... I think and that's a fair those, point. Those quality guys coming through, I think Marty Tapao will hopefully... He, I'm guessing he's a, he's a bit of a culture buyer, if nothing else, is a guy who yep. knows how to play hard in the middle, uh, train up some of these young forwards. So I think if... If they can stay fit, because remember last year they did very well, even though they had a whole bunch of injuries to their to the whole squad essentially. So I reckon if they can stay fit. But then again, the reason why the top four teams is top four is because they can take those injuries or those guys being out, right? Panthers had both starting halves out for like the last four, four or five games of the season, right? And they they still ended up winning most of those games. So yeah, it it just depends on what your depth is like. Uh, okay, looking, moving on. Let's move on to the Raiders. So this one should be real quick for at least team additions. So I'll take that one. Danny Levi joins the uh, Mighty Canberra Raiders from the Huddersfield Giants. Ada Mariota has signed up from uh, reserve grade. And Pasimi Sola has joined from the Newcastle Knights. That is it. So interesting choices there from the Raiders. Nick, what's happened with the team losses? Um, Adam Elliott's off to the Knights. Josh Hodgson and Charles Clockstab, they're off to the Eels and Warriors, respectively. Um, part of that awesome 2019 team. Harry Rushton's uh, back to England with the Huddersfield Giants. Uh, Ryan Sutton's off to Canterbury. And Sam Williams has just been released. I'm not sure if he's been signed elsewhere yet. No. So, looking at this, if nothing else, okay, uh, first of all, Mitch, do you reckon that team's better or worse for the changes? Worse. Yep. Uh, Nick? Yeah, agreed. Worse. Yeah. My question is, 
where's the cash? Josh Hodgson was on probably, what, six, seven, eight hundred of the best. Adam Elliott, they would have picked up cheap because he didn't have a job anymore. So he might have been on 250, right? But Chance would have been on a bit of money. Ryan Sutton would have been on a bit of money. Where, where have they spent this money? Is Danny Levi on 700 grand? Fogarty? Fogarty's on big money, I think. But and he was so signed up last year. So unless, unless maybe they've got some back-ended contracts. Yeah, or they've upgraded I, I would I would think that that's exactly what it is, back-ended contracts. Oh, it's, it's I'm glad they got their money out of Josh Hodgson, you know, 800K for two games a year. That's good. Don't you start to get worried, though, when games. teams start having back-ended contracts like that? So, I, right. we'll, we'll look at what Bull, the Bulldogs are doing. Phil Gould's going all in over the next three or four years. They're screwed if they can't get a couple of premierships or get a bit of traction. That's true. Though I must say, they've, at least they've cleared the decks, right? So I think they've they've got a lot of guys who are hungry to join the big big dogs up there. Um, sure, but like if it doesn't work, it's a it's it's a real boom or bust play, right? Oh, so. for sure. But but you've noticed with Phil, he, he's done that. Not to digress too far, but he did that with the Panthers first go round. Then he 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 got rid of Manny Moylan, got rid of Bryce Cartwright, like the whole squad, right? Sure, but that's not what made Penrith good currently. What's made Penrith good is getting those junior programs going. Yeah. But I guess you got to. He, best teams to buy in the comp have the best have the best junior junior yeah. programs. Well, I think they're trying to do that, but until they get the juniors coming through, I think they're trying to fill the gap so that they all don't get turfed in the meantime, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully they're working on both. Right, they're building the center of excellence and doing all the rest. Well, look, uh, let's have a look at this. There are plenty of injuries to be worth looking at here, Mitch. What are we looking at? Jared Croker, he's Interesting. Yeah. Well, he is and he isn't. I actually don't think he is. Jared, I think Jared's career is basically done and anyone who's thinking of picking him up, if he gets any game time at all, should probably reconsider it because we spoke at length about his knee last year, which will not have improved. Now, look, he's coming off a shoulder stabilization surgery. We know that's a pretty good one as far as returning to play, but it isn't his biggest problem. I just flagged that as his knee. He's carrying multiple other niggles throughout his body. I honestly hope he retires because I just worry about his long-term health. But if he does get out there, good on him and best of luck to him. But as far as fantasy goes, would not touch him at all. Do you reckon that he's staying on? Because I know that under the current CBA, they've only got 12 months to get all the surgeries and rehab that they need covered under the uh, insurance that they have. Do you reckon he's trying to extend it out a little bit, A, to see if he can get fit, but if he can't, get himself at least right for the rest of his life? He won't be right for the rest of his life, man. Yeah, or at least in a better situation, right? Not having to pay out of We're talking like 1% or 2% better. It's bad. Oh, wow. Okay. Gross. Like, 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 yeah, it's not good. It's like definitely not. He's trying to get back and play. And he's a, he's a tough nugget, like far out, man. To be playing with the injuries he has, I tip my hat to him. But I, I certainly don't think that's the reason he's he's playing because it's just not that type of injury. It's His knee is very arthritic and, and you know, getting stem cell injections is not going to save him. Fair I enough. I hope it does, but I don't think it will. <laughs> um, Corey Horsburgh, uh, shoulder. So, He's set for round one. He had an arthroscope during the off-season. So that's just a bit of a clean-out of some uh, torn cartilage in the shoulder. It appears to be precautionary for him to miss the most recent trial game. And look, Corey's had an injury riddled last two years. My suspicion is they're just making sure that he can actually get through the 2023 season. So no major concern there other than pre-existing concerns, which are he hasn't been able to string together multiple games back-to-back. Uh, Harley Smith Shields ACL so he tore his ACL February last year in the preseason that gives him a full year plus trials it really doesn't get much better for ACL prep 
Uh, but as always, guys, um, I always like like the year for them to return to full full fle- fully uh, fledged. Uh, Aiden Trevelyan, so he's both shoulder ACL. His ACL was done at the end of last year. Wouldn't respect him or expect him rather to return till mid-season. So we'll talk about that when it comes to it. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Nick, strength of schedule. Mate, this is just a dream. So the second easiest overall schedule, guys. Oh, okay. And the fourth, fourth easiest, rounds 1 to 12. Third easiest for the origin period, round 13 to 20. And the fourth easiest for the run home, rounds 21 to 27. So the buyers, guys, they're gorgeous, rounds 8, 16, and 20. So they cop the uh, Cowboys round 1, the Sharks uh, round 2. No, no, sorry, Sharks round three and the Panthers run round five, which is the only tricky stretch for, stretch for them, sorry. <laughs> it then gets really soft uh, pretty much for the rest of the season, especially rounds 18 to 23 where, listen to these names, we've got the Titans, the Dragons, the Bye, which is a nice two points, the Warriors, the Knights, and then the Tigers again. So that is just such an easy stretch for them. The run home after that, though, isn't terribly good. Uh, they got the Storm, the Bulldogs, the Broncos, and then they finish up with the Sharks. Um, in terms of teams they have twice, they've got the Broncos, Bulldogs, Dragons, Knights, Sharks, Tigers, Warriors, and Dolphins. So really, the only nasty team they have twice, the Sharks, which I think is gold. Mm-hmm. The round eight buy doesn't dissuade me from cashies. And only one buy for the chaos weeks, which is the round 16. So the round eight buy means, in my opinion, the cashies have seven weeks to bring in nice cash. And there's no buy after uh, origin period. So most teams have two buys in the origin period. Because they have the buy before the origin period, it means they finish up so their guns are fully available for the run home, um, which is just gold. Like I've got a huge go as Canberra Raiders just based upon the schedule, guys. Nice. Uh, now, just real quick here, I'm about to run through the 17, but uh, just before we do that, so looking at the strength of schedule, Nick, uh, it looks it looks to me, yeah, like that they've got that little bit of a tough start and that little bit of a tough end, but not too many of the guys are going to be playing Origin, right? So they should be good to hold through that middle period. Exactly, mate. It is just, mwah, chef's kiss. Excellent. Okay, so look, uh, I'm starting to look a bit harder at the Canberra's lineup as we speak. So let's have a look at that lineup. So obviously, number one predicted, you know, before today's injury was Xavier Savage. Uh, We'll have to have a talk about who that might be otherwise. Uh, On the wings, Nick Kotrick and Jordan Rappiner. Centres, Matt Tamoko and Sebastian Chris. Jack Whiten and Jamal Fogarty in the halves, assuming Jackie doesn't cop a week or two for his... Uh, 3am wrestle. We have uh, Josh Papley and Joey Tarpanay in the, as props. Uh, we have Hudson Young and Elliot Whitehead on the edges. Look, I've got Corey Horsburgh at the 13th. Again, that's anyone's guess whether that's the case. And I've left uh, Hooker till last because, look, it could be Zach Wolford here. It could be Tom Starling. It could even be Danny Levi who's playing today, which is an interesting state of play. So we absolutely have no idea there. Ricky is Ricky. Uh, unlikely to be Tom Starling because I've got him at the bench at 14. Uh, Tom Starling's not that big a body, so I can see why they've kept him away from that opening exchanges, get him on where his pace can do some good things. Uh, also on the bench, Corey Hawaii-Renara, Emre Gula, and uh, Pasami Solo. 
I've got there. But again, could be anyone. Could also be Trey Mooney, who we're hearing a lot of good things about. So look, they've got a few fantasy-relevant players, but the most fantasy-relevant of them all is Joe Tarpanay. Nick, what are we thinking? Mate, 790K in a mid, break-even at 55, and the average day in 2022, nearly 10% ownership when I wrote this down. It's probably more now. So he's 28, turning 29, so wherever his age, he's starting to creep up. As a lock front row statistical peak is around 25 to 27. He's also coming off a career year, guys. So overall, he's 1.02 ppm for the last three years, and is likely to average around 55 to 57, assuming he plays over 50 minutes per game. So just as for some splits on his games, um, <clears throat> his PPM is 1.2 pretty much when he plays less than 35 minutes. And he plays 35 to 45 minutes, he uh, 1.08 PPM, 45 to 55 minutes, 1.11 PPM. And he averages 54 in around 50 minutes. And then um, when he plays more than 55 minutes, which is what we're really looking at here, it's 0.9 PPM on a 20-game sample for 57 in 63 minutes, um, which isn't great. Um, I love that he only misses 1.6 tackles per game as a clear offload and tackle-busting upside. Um, My only question is his minutes, guys. I haven't penciled in at just one second, around 50-odd minutes. Um, which would mean he's priced pretty well. If you think he's going to get the 55 minutes plus, then he's an absolute boom. What do you think, Stu? Look, just Jerry Tarpany has been in most of my builds so far as well. If I'm trying to put him and Haas in, which has been difficult. Uh, but look, I've been trying to look at them both. A, because you know they don't have that many buyers early. He doesn't play Origin which is a bonus against someone like Haas. And he does have that sort of clear attacking upside. Uh, I was just having a look at Josh Papali as well, because Josh Papali is doing okay. He's only 30 years old, you know. He's not he's nah. not as old as I thought. 13th of May, 99-2. Turning 31 this year. He's just so old then. <laughs> he just seems old because he's been at a top level for so long. As opposed to Jerry Tarpanay, he's really, he was dropped 18 months ago to reserve grade. So he's come back from that. And as dumb as it sounds, as yes, he's 28, but he's got a lot less miles in the legs as for, from what I would see. He's played less minutes. He's been less busted. He's had less rep duties and less games overall than just, say, Publi. So, you know, Mitch, that would come to account for body age as well, right? Like if you're being less banged up over time. Mate, I love that point. I think you're absolutely spot on and I think it's something we should factor big time. And the other thing I think we should be talking about, which we haven't much this preseason, Nick, is Tarpany passes the eye test. He looked really good at the end of last season. Uh, so when you factor those two things in, there is a chance he could get a few more minutes. But if Ricky knows what's best, he won't do it because, you know, you start burning the candle at both ends. It's true. Though uh, from Tarpanay, it's been one of those ones where I know from fantasy owners, 2020, 2021, into part of 2022, we didn't really see the most out of him. Uh, Like we always thought that he could do more. And it was only once, I guess we got into the origin period, you know, Papali was playing less minutes. And also once they started moving Adam Elliott off the bench, so he wasn't there in that rotation as well, you start to see Tarpanay get those real minutes because really there's only Corey Horsburgh and Harawira Naira on the bench at that point. 
and uh, like, you know, someone like Gula who, you know, picks up minutes here and there. So Tarpanay really sort of took that lead role. I would see here is that I can project Tarpanay around that 55 average or so. Uh, and especially that late season run, Nick, do you, do you know what he was scoring on that late season run by any chance? Mate, it wasn't great. It was more um, a bit earlier, so it was more around 16, 17, 18. So um, towards the back end of the season, he was averaging sort of mid-40s or so. But yeah. just, just before then, he was smashing out, you know, 68, 57, 58, and 56. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm looking at the minutes. Sorry, my bad, my bad. I'm looking at the wrong column. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm an idiot. He was scoring seven. Sorry. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Don't worry about me. Um, yeah, he, he actually cooled off for like 50s average, but before that was when he was like 60s, in, 70s. In the middle of the season, which is, when we, yeah. which is when we want him, right? In that origin period where they're going to be playing a lot of games. Yes, he's got the round uh, bias around, what, 8 and 20. Is that correct? 8, 16, 20. Uh, spot on. Excellent. So, you know, he misses that round 16, which you don't love, but, you know, the rest we can live with uh, over that origin period. And, yes, looking at the other games, they got towed up versus the Panthers, but that happens to everyone. Like, we're really seeing those upside games, you know, where it's hitting into either close to 70-some games and a couple of games in the 90s once he hit that. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't play round 22, so I think that was an injured game. Fair enough. So, oh, he could have been injured that game too. So, okay, so if we if we exclude that, if we put him in for minutes where he played 50 minutes or more uh, in that period, so, uh, yeah, look, it goes up again. So I think that we can expect more from him there. And his base is huge, guys. In games above 50 minutes, he's got 50 points worth of base stats, Nick. Yeah, it's awesome. And then 18 points worth of attacking. So that's he's averaging in games above 50 minutes last year, 63.4. Does that change how yeah, you feel huge. about him? No, no, it doesn't because it's just dependent upon his minutes, right? Okay, yeah, but like I'm saying 50. I'll, I'll put between 50 and 60. Like I'll take out the games, you know, with the massive upside. In games, in games where he plays between 50 and 60, last year he averaged 63.7. Yeah, so, so, I mean, so, like he could, he could, but I mean, if you just take his average PPM and you multiply it by his minutes, he's probably going to be around 55 to 56 to high 50s. Guys, you know? I can shut this down pretty quick. For 19K more, you get pain, Haas. But, but, but I'm saying he's that for, for, for me, I'm thinking about both. Whoa. So because you, middles, so middles you're are thinking ugly 55 minutes. You're thinking in 55 minutes, he's going to be in the 60s. Yeah, or at least high, like high 50s, and you just put park him as a keeper because he doesn't play Origin. There's no rep rounds in the middle of the year this year. He's just playing club footy all year. There's no internationals mid-year. Anyway, look, I... I he passes the eye test, so... He, he certainly does, Mitch. I And I feel like that, that run of games, the fact that he plays a couple of those early... Uh, head-to-head rounds like uh the though yes they're buys for those but you know where you've you've still got to fill out 13 players and joey tarpany is still playing you can just keep him in your side all season 
So I can understand why people own him. For me, he's definitely a guy I'm very interested in. He's second behind Payne Haas, but he's a close second. Uh, obviously, I think Cam Murray would be above those two guys again, but he's also 150k more, so it's a different conversation. Mitch, any interest in you and Joey Tabernay? He's spicy. I like him because he passes the eye test, and I, I do like the fact that the Raiders have an easy run, and he likes the attacking stat, and he likes the offload. So I, I, I am interested whether he finds his way into my team or not. I, I don't know. Um, it's probably just a, a cash allocation thing, but if I do go to mids, it. It'd be Haas and probably Tarpany would be next off um, cab off the rank because I'm a bit gun shy with Murray. I think the Rabbitohs are playing him too much. Fair enough. I'm really nervous. I'm really nervous he's going to get hurt again. Yeah, me too. I'll be honest with you. Like I've I've had Murray in and out a few times, and just do that. He's come back from that Australian side, and they're just going to burn him out. He'll play 80 minutes Origin, 80 minutes everywhere. Right? You you've already made the point though that mileage. Uh, as far as game game age goes, is a real thing. That's why Wayne Bennett doesn't like boards over the age of 30. <laughs> and then he's bored 15 for the Dolphins. That's because no one wanted to play for him. Ouch. Nick, uh, have you got Tarpanay as a spicy pick or as a bust? What, what are you feeling? Spicy. No, he's definitely not a bust. Definitely not a bust. He's spicy. We can't bust him. He's yeah. too good a player to bust. He's, he's even a boom. It's just he, he won't go backwards. I don't think he'll go backwards at all. You definitely won't lose your shirt over him. Excellent. He, he, he's sort of a boom in the sense that he has got a, he doesn't play like all the uh, green ticks we said. is He's not playing Origin. He's got an awesome schedule. Like that's just and, – and he's got that upside. So really like those sort of make him a boom almost. Yeah, look, I'm happy to have him as a boom because he's certainly of real interest to me, especially if you're not running Cam Murray. He's, and middles, I've said this a few times, so centers are awful. Middles are also tough because there are just no real good cashies or, and real good sort of middle options like you. You haven't taken risk on guys like TPJ or, or players like that. So if you could find the cash and upgrade someone like TPJ to a Tarpanay, right? Yes, it's 200 grand, but you feel a lot better about life, wouldn't you? Yeah, 100%. Easy. Okay, we'll, we'll work that one out in post-show. Next one up, Nick. Uh, let's have a talk about their hookers. <laughs> uh, oh, Wolford. Gross. Uh, yeah, it's just gross. So 362K, break even at 25, which is what he averaged last year. No one owns him. So he's priced on his games between 30 and 50 minutes where he plays uh, 39.2 minutes for 25 fantasy points and a 0.6 PPM. Obviously, they're timesharing the hooker spot where Wolford... Played half the games and starting uh, half the minutes and starting up the other half. So there's minimal overlap, which limits Wolford. Um, if he gets the opportunity, he's definitely a goal, but it's just a clear avoid at this stage. Um, I've got him as a chuck a star potentially, depending nice. upon how things shake out with Starling. That's it. Like, and now that Starling's uh, charges have been dropped, I would I would definitely agree with that one because uh, Starling will play. Uh, like it. Uh, the other mix in us, obviously, since we started this, is Danny Levi's been signed, right? And having a look at Danny Levi, he's basically irrelevant. So he's played for the Knights, the Seagulls, uh, and a, few, a little bit for the Broncos. He's averaging twenty nine, uh, sorry, 30 points from 50 minutes. So again, you know, a bit of a waste of time there too. Uh, do, and Tommy Starling, I think we've just kind of said there, he's basically priced out because looks like Ricky's going to play him off the bench, right? 
Yeah, that would yeah, be too, right. Too, too much of a minutes risk. That's it. And uh, unfortunately, too much of an off-field risk, which in this uh, we've race been, side, We've been burned. We've been burnt, so just, yeah, just write them off. Yeah, just leave him alone. Okay, so so we've now talked through those guys there. I'm going to have a chat through one guy, which I want to talk about just real quick here as well, which is Jackie Whiten, another guy who's got a bit of off-field issues, 667K, 46 break-even. Look, I think from Jackie Whiten, he's hitting 30, as we all know from his recent infamous birthday celebrations. He's he's pretty much right reach peak jack right like unless we see 2019 raiders there's just not that many more points left is there guys no 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 he's cashed out especially with fogarty there who's actually a decent half to run the team around like jack white and we need a huge upgrade in his attacking stats and a lot more run meters to really to really make it there so i just don't see that happening no, Not so, consistently, anyway. You'd be riding the Jack White and train. You'd have peaks, you'd have troughs, and you'd end up at the same point by the end of it. That's it. So, look, let's put Jackie White as a bust here just due to the fact that, yep. like Ben Hunt, hey, he's just at price. Ah, oh, he's a bust. Excellent. Especially with that off-field stuff hanging over his head, too. Let's have a talk about his halves partner, uh, Jamal Fogarty. Nick, how are we feeling about him? Um... He's pretty expensive, 726K, break even at 50, which is what he averaged last year. Um, no one owns him. So he's largely the same guy that he was at the Titans with not the same milkshake. Um, he was drinking all the Titans, where he had the likes of Ash Taylor and Tyrone Peachy at 5'8 versus Jack Whiten. So in 2021, he averaged 49 with 27 base, 3.3 goals, 11.1 kicking, the same amount of attacking and 7.1 negatives. It's virtually the same with the... Um, Raiders. Um, notably, his kick meters percentage has dropped from 62.6% in 2021 to 46.2 in 2022. Um, Sensibility in performances, which is backed by stats, I just suggest there is much upside coming from um, coming from his meniscal injury, Mitch. Uh, no, I, I would have suggested to you that after he'd had uh, the recovery from that meniscal injury, unlike an ACL, it, it, look, it would have affected him a little bit, but I, I can't see enough of an improvement just with that for us to justify picking him up, right? Like he'll be, well, he, he he might be a bit better, but it's not heaps. Easy. Okay, well, so look, we'll put uh, put Foggy again in that that bus situation again where he's just yep. just priced out. He's priced out. Yep. Excellent. Look, Mitch, once you go on the next one, so uh, with all the shuffling that is likely to happen uh, with the damage to Xavier Savage, Harley Smith-Shields might be worth a look here. So he's he's coming off an ACL, which he suffered uh, pre-season last year, 250K, 17, so he's got the full 12 months, 250K, 17 break-even. He Currently, he's out of the squad because he's got uh, plantar uh, fasciitis. Fasciitis. Yeah, fasciitis. What's that? And will, how badly would it stop him from getting into the team, mate? Uh, so basically, it's an irritation to the bottom, bottom of the foot. I reckon a lot of our listeners at some stage would have had it. And I'd suggest, uh, Stu, do you know if it's the same side as a knee injury? I mean, I suppose it really doesn't matter because typically what it's due to uh, is generally deconditioning to the muscles in the foot or in around the calf. And that would be a function of the ACL surgery. So coming back to running and sprinting. Uh, they're pretty good at treating this one these days. I just think it's indicative that he's probably not quite there. Now, we spoke about before, I like that he's had all that time to recover, but he's in those danger positions. So, center, fullback, uh, winger. 
Um, they need to be able to run and they need to be able to move sideways. He's not Pat Carrigan. Um, he he will be, you know, half a yard shy, I would say. And if he's got the plantar fascia injury, it means he's not at full tilt yet. So, I wasn't aware of the plantar fascia injury. That, that gives me a little bit of cause for concern just because he's probably half a... They've probably tried to get him there quick, which is fair enough. I would do the same. But it means he's just struggling to to hit his strap. So, like from, from just looking at that alone, I would say... 10 to 12 games before he's really, really going. He, he, You know, he's 250K, so if he gets game time, there's value. But from like a, a medical standpoint, I couldn't imagine he's he's running even close to 100% if he's carrying that. He'd be probably between 80 and 90. No, that's good. Uh, basically, from what Ricky was saying, I spoke to him, we don't need to rush him back for the trial. So, yep, we, sh- we should be good there to... Uh, hopefully we see him next week, right? Like it's just a little bit of a have a week off because it's basically as dumb as it stands. It's like a, almost like a bruised uh, inside of the heel, right? Yeah. I would imagine they'll, I mean, look, it's trials. They probably wouldn't cortisone him, but they'll strap it up. He'll be wearing some type of orthosis. They'll, they'll get on top of that. Easy. The physios will have no problems dealing with that. Easy. Not, not so, younger. So look, for me, Harley Smith Shields at that 250K thing, he might get a few games there. He was supposed to be the breakout center last year for these guys. Uh, basically unfortunately cop that ACL in the preseason uh but he might still a spot off Timoko or Chris if there is a bit of a shuffle and he does get that start uh because apparently he's got a real set of jets on him uh probably so, not with the plantar fasciitis though. no true though uh what was he say apparently he borrowed his brother's ha- uh hamstring to fix his ACL because he didn't want to cross oh, on his own wow I love that. That's brilliant. Um, honestly, like clinically, when we're talking about things I carry with the ACL, it's not, you know, it's not the speed as far as, uh, you know, their ability to, to jump and run fast. It's the ability to get that hamstring strong because, look, the, the way it works is when they take that hamstring muscle, you, you don't really grow it back. And without getting to the nitty-gritty of the science, there's some real utility in taking, you know, someone who's a, a close-on genetic match for their, their hamstring muscle. Yeah, well, that's, that, that's really, doing. really interesting. It's why for a period there they mucked around, and they still do to agree to a degree, mucked around with those cadaver um, ACL ligaments, and uh, you know there was some success there. But poor Terry Campese wasn't one of those successful ones. Oh, jeez, excellent. So uh, d- dead body hamstrings, good to know. No, no, dead body ACLs. Dead body ACLs are even worse. Wow. Well, technically even better, but it doesn't quite work the way they hoped it would. <laughs> Sometimes debt is better. Sometimes not. Okay. So, look, let's put Chuck a star on Harley Smith Shields unless we see him play in that next trial. We certainly didn't want to see him in round one without any sight of him. Uh, Look, last guys that I really want to talk about here, two guys who basically, same role, Corey Horsburgh and Corey Harawira Naira. So, there's an open spot for Adam Elliott's vacated 13. And so, both Corey Harawira Naira and Horsburgh look good. As players, yeah. So, and Horsburgh we like. So, he averages 47.9 in 50.14 minutes for a 0.95 PPM at lock, right? Which is very tasty. And Corey Harrow-Nara has 44 points in 46.9 minutes for a 0.94 PPM. So, both of these guys are high PPM minute players, which, Nick, I know is, is one of your preferred ways of judging middles, right? Yep. Excellent. So... With that in mind, uh, 
we're interested just to the price point as Corey Hero Harrow and I, if he gets that 13, he'd be a DPP uh, edge mid for 517k. And Horsburgh would be a 590k uh, straight up mid. So, you know, Horsburgh's about break even price here, average of 41. If we can predict him around 48, you know, possibly even a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, look around that 48 mark, there's some options there because middles are pretty awful this year. So, and look, last year, have a look at Adam Elliott. He got did get 49 points in 55 minutes. So we can look around there. So my question to you guys is, if Corey Harawira Naira or Corey Horsburgh won that spot, would you be interested in either of them, Nick? Uh, Horsburgh, yes, Harawira Naira, probably not. He's a missed tackle machine and an off-field worry. Horsburgh's just as big a one, though, isn't he? Like, he, he's had, Harry, the, Harry he's had, the drink, had the drink driving as well, had the off-field incidents, like high-range drink driving in the off-season type of thing. Uh, what does that say? Oh, okay. I, I shouldn't say what I want to say, but, yes. yeah. No, I think Corey Harrow is an off-field risk. Fair enough. Yeah, from his time at the Bulldogs, too. Though I, I think they've ruled him out of those type of visits from now on. Uh, how about how about you, Mitch? Would you be interested in either of those guys? Uh, Harrow Aranara is a demerits machine and uh, finds his way in Ricky's doghouse more often than he should. And uh, Horsburgh is an injury risk. I don't like it. Uh, at some point, I am going to have to take a risk. And if I see the minutes crop up, then, then I probably would roll the dice on Horsburgh because I just feel like... Harawira and I, it's it's going to happen. I got burned with him last. Well, I didn't get burned with him, but I made a bit of cash, but I had to get out because he just gets himself into trouble somehow. He's going to get himself in trouble with the judiciary, with Stewart, or as Nick alluded to. So definitely not Harawira and I, maybe Horsburgh, but I don't love it. No, I got it. Uh, look, I'm I'm just having a look here, which is a bit of an interesting one. So I've got... Uh, my next question to you guys is, okay, so you've got more love for Horsburgh than Harawira and I. I think 517k if Harawi or Nara did get the DPP, there could be some good points there. He looked okay in the All-Stars, but I do get your guys' point. It would certainly be a risk that you'd have to take there. My other question is, would you guys be interested in Corey Harawi or Nara, 517k on an edge, if they moved either Young or Whitehead to 13 and gave Harawi or Nara the, the edge spot? Because that's where he's probably best, Harawi or Nara. Same reasoning, man. Yeah, but he was he was like a 700, 750k edge fullback in uh, 2020, 2021. But he might have one bad game and be kicked in back to the shadow realm. Yeah, how about you? Uh, fair enough. Ricky's known for his temper tantrums. We gave Nathan Brown hard time for his faults last year. Ricky Stewart, he, if he gets cranky and he doesn't like you, you're gone, banished. Fair enough. Uh, I've got here that he played... Yeah, I do get your point there. Nick, how about you? Would you any interest in Harrow and Nora if he does play on the edge? How many minutes? Uh, it, basically, Ricky plays them for the full 80, doesn't he? 70 to 80? Um, yeah, yeah so, I'm interested. So in 2021, but, but- for instance, Corey Harrow and Nora, he played what looks to me to be 12 games. No, 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 actually, no. Average of 52. 
No, 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 no. Nine six. You got Hopgood, Ghana, and Katoa, who I think are better, safer options in the same price range. Yep. No, I get it. Uh, the other question for you guys is just in case they do move Young for some reason, right, to that thirteen spot where we know that he can play. Uh, I know that we're about to talk about Young. Uh, if we, uh, I'm just trying to think here. Would we be interested in Young at that lock position? No. Yep. Is he just priced out? How about you talk us through Young, Nick? Okay. So Hudson Young, seven seventy one k, break even fifty three, and he averaged. He's only an edge, so he doesn't have the DPP, and he averaged fifty two point two last year. No one owns owns him, so he's a huge pot. So he averaged fifty six point six in twenty twenty one in eight minute games at the back row. So he actually took a slight step back last year, but he's still at a really solid twenty twenty two guys with forty base twenty attacking. Stats and 8.6 negatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really disappointed early, averaging 45 rounds 1 to 12, but then he came home really strong. So I, I'm, I've been big on Hudson Young for the last couple of years. Um, so I thought he'd uh, be where he was at the back end of the year. So after rounds 13 and 25, guys, he averaged 58. So that's a 13-point increase, which was purely attacking stats when the Raiders started to click. So he's 24. He isn't yet in his prime, and he's extremely durable. I think he's really found a spot on that uh, edge in the for the Raiders. I, I don't think they should move him at all. So no, I don't think he's a candidate to move into lock personally. Fair enough. I just yeah, he's, he's got he's got the ball playing to move into lock, but I think he just played so well on that edge. Um, yeah, I think it'd be really tricky to move him. I'm just thinking that you know with the move on of there is a spot open there at thirteen. I see Corsbrus, the guy carts the ball forward, but a lot of teams, they're looking for that guy to be also a link role with a bit of a pass. And I don't know about you guys. I'm not sure I see Horsburgh that guy with that pass. So, and if and if he's not that guy yeah. with that pass as well, you know, to act as the link between the halves, who could it be? So, yeah. yeah. No, don't get me wrong. His passing game's amazing. It, it is really silky. Like, he's got the offloads and the pass and... All that sort of stuff. So yeah. he could do it. I just think he looked too good, if that makes sense. For sure. Yeah, I just I feel like sometimes when those guys look really good, you just want to move them to where they can play both sides because otherwise you can team up on Young if you want to, like if he is looking really good. Whereas if they're playing in the middle, you don't know what edge is going to pop up on. He can just swap sides, right? Yep. Yep, gotcha. So look, so for Young, is he Chuck a star? We want to sort of keep an eye on him. Yeah, I don't. I don't really see much value. Um, if you see him averaging fifty-eight, you can pick him up. But really, you, for the same price, you get David Fafita, who clearly has sixty-plus average potential this year. So, um, in that sense, I think he's just chuck a star, not a spicy pick. Fair enough. Excellent. Yep. Yeah, let, let's let's keep an eye on Hudson Young as the year goes on, and that wouldn't change if he was at lock. You'd still keep him at that, right? Because he's just priced quite high for a lock. Yeah. And. So- no, it depends how many minutes he gets. So if he's playing 60-odd minutes, yeah, I'd probably pick him up. But if he's playing that 50-55, I probably wouldn't. Um, so 60-plus, yeah, I, I'd grab him because he's definitely um, historically hit that 1 ppm pretty easily in the middle. Good to know. Okay, so let's let's definitely keep an eye on uh, Young. And, you know, once, once we get an estimate of those minutes and we've noted for the fact that he's Ricky Stewart, we'll go from there. Now, last one, Xavier Savage, obviously missing a few weeks here, Nick. Uh, what are we feeling about him when he gets back? Um, 452, so he's a 
on the cheaper side for a wing fullback. Uh, break even at 31, which is very important. He averaged 28 in 2022. So he's, uh, what's his ownership now? I, I've written here 9% a while ago, so it's probably up above 10% now. So he's a career 37 at fullback in the NRL. Yeah, so he's climbing. Um, he's a career 37 average at fullback in the NRL in 15 games and in reserve grade in seven games. That's 22 games, which is starting to look like a decent sample size here. Where he's averaged 37. He looks jacked. So he put up nearly 107 running meters, 50% try, 50% try assists. 50% line breaks, 50% line break assists, and 2.3 tackle pass, which is just really solid attacking stats and um, good base stats as well. This is a pure eye test feel that he could average 40-ish this season in line with... I'm, I'm looking for comparisons. I think he could be in line with like a Jaden Campbell who put up a 42.4 last year at fullback. So really, I'm looking at yeah, 10 points in value with uh, Xavier Savage this year. Um, I can't quite squeeze him into my team. I see uh, slightly better value in the likes of Lockie Miller, Miller Chancellor with Clockstab, Pace Perham, and Tyrell Sloan. But I've no problem with anyone picking up Savage. He's definitely a boom player. Yeah, no, I've, I must say up until today's suspected injury, like obviously if it's just a laceration, Mitch, if he's just got a big laceration on that face, a bit of bruising there, um, I'm assuming that he, he should be all right to go for round one. Yeah. I, I I would be surprised if that was the case, but yes. Excellent. So as it stands here, look, you know, if Savage is out, obviously avoid. But yeah, for me, he has been in my side for a little while now because I'm just looking at, you know, who I want in my side. And uh, Savage just looks like he's got a little bit more security on a better side than a guy like uh, Chance. But I understand why Chance is in a lot of people's teams too. Uh, if nothing else, you want to go with a guy who beat out the other guy, right? So <laughs> I was trying to go with Savage over Chance because obviously Ricky's had a good look at him and said this is the guy of the future. Yep. Fair enough. Look, is there anyone else left who we have not talked about? I think that's it, mate. Excellent. So look, I'm sure we'll be hearing from a few of the guys at home about some of our discussions today about who we should or shouldn't have in. Uh, just looking at the real boom players here, just, just a final look through. So uh, for the Broncos... So we had Payne Haas as a boom, like we're all seeing value in him. Uh, and was he the only boom that we had, guys? I think yes, so. I think he yes. was. Yep. And look, we had a few spicy guys like Walsh and Reynolds and co. Uh, but that's about it there. Uh, on the other side for the Raiders, uh, we got... T- uh, where did we end up with Tarpany, guys? I thought we had him spicy. I thought we had him. I wasn't sure spicy or boom. Nick, uh, I know you were like in between. What were you thinking? I think boom. Mitch? I'm spicy. And look, I've got him in my team. So look, I've got him here. That makes him a boom two to one. He is because he's in my team, but he's my spicy pick in my team. So I'm going to leave him as spicy there, but he's a very strong one. He's like a good type of spice. It's good be Findaloo that. <laughs> Excellent. Look, I'll, I'll put him there. So we've got Xavier Savage, assuming he's playing, right? Or when playing. Yep. Uh, and because I'm guessing with the cheek one there, once the cheek is actually healed, he should be good to go, right, Mitch? Yep. No worries there. Excellent. It's a good one for returning to play. Excellent. Uh, and yeah, just a real bravery type injury, isn't it? When you get your face down into the legs like that. Yep. Not nice. No. Okay, so, and so the spice, we have Tarpanay, and I think we also kind of like Horsburgh in that spicy type role. Or yep. did we, uh, we no, got, I'm happy with that. 
Excellent. Cool. And you guys were not keen on Corey Harry and Noah, if nothing else, just for the team issues I was. But I understand why, you know, he's a guy that we would definitely, we would really need to see a big change from. So we'll, we'll just chuck a star on Corey Harry and Noah in case he does explode out of the blocks, either on an edge or in the middle. I wouldn't, if he, even if he did explode, I wouldn't jump on. Like, that is, like, literally the three-date rule kind of player. Okay. So, so when would, so isn't that Chuck a star, like, keep an eye on him? Yeah, you can't, I'm not going to bust him, but yeah, Chuck a star. Yeah. Not, he's not spicy, though, is what I'm saying. Like, no. He's, uh, that's, that's he's too much. Too, a bit too much of a risk, Nick? Yeah, 100%. Fair enough. Look, uh, for me, I don't mind Corey Herrera, but then again, he's an old Panthers band, so I don't mind him that much. But he's got the chops to be a fantasy player. He's not one of these fantasy irrelevant guys around here. So, yep, we'll move forward from there. Look, guys, uh, Nick, any last thoughts for tonight? No, mate, I'm not too high on these Raiders. I've got them at 10th this year. What have you got them as, Mitch? 11th. I've got them as 8th. In here, so I've, I've kind of flipped them over with the uh, with the booger here. So reaching in because that that lower strength of schedule there, I, I reckon they can sort of make that jump in because they're only playing how many top eight teams are they really playing throughout the season? Twice, like one, yes. Yeah, so, so they're going to the sharks, and I, I mean, overall, I reckon they've almost got like a shark esque season. So if they can get the runs on the board, as long just- as they don't culturally implode. Well, that's true because their recruitment is basically be buy flogs from Sydney, right? And try and move them down to yep. Brisbane and keep them away from the nightclubs and yep. drinking and driving, which has anyway. Let's move on. But the point being is that like they've got those that soft run post Origin. They'll probably only lose Jackie Whiten to Origin out of this team and Josh Papali'i. Can't that depends him. if Brad Fittler wants to keep his job as origin coach. That's true. Well, Jackie Whiten's probably going to play 14, right? If Turbo and Latrell are fit. Who knows, yeah. man? Who so, knows? so, but, but like, you know, he's, he's the guy who could play 14 because you can basically change. He should. He could play in prop if you had to, right? He just That's play what that. my point was last year. How yeah. did he yeah, not play right, two mate. and three? Oh, I'm you're just going right. to get upset. Don't, yeah. don't talk about it. I'm okay. going to get angry. You wouldn't need to shuffle three players. To get him in. That's true. Then again, you'd be playing Turbo and Latrell back there, wouldn't you? You know what, though? If you don't pick White after his first game last year, you're never going to pick him. That's true. 100%. Anyway, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Again, like, subscribe, do all the nice things, and we'll keep out putting podcasts. Uh, this is the Boom and Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast preseason preview number six, signing out. Thanks for listening to the Boom or Bust podcast. Make sure to subscribe and check out our Facebook page for more info.